Blog Talk Radio.
Welcome everyone to another episode of Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Five Smooth Stones, and we are coming at you with another episode of the Booker Douglas Family and Friends Network. That is what's happening this evening. I want to welcome all the family. Hopefully everybody is doing well. Hopefully everybody uh, is chilling out around about now because we're definitely going to have the show tonight, and I'm looking for input. I'm looking for family input. This is so much our show and not the Seth show, okay? So anyway, family, hopefully everybody's doing well, like I was saying. Hopefully you had a, you was able to, uh, this heat didn't do you in for the week, and maybe uh, we don't have too many sick people out there, people that struggled from that heat earlier this week. The most I must have obviously had grace upon us because today was a very good day where weather was concerned. I don't think it reached 100 today for sure. And uh, it might have reached 90, though. <clears throat> so, family, tonight we got a lot coming at you, as we do every single Sunday. A uh, lot, uh, lot coming at you today. Tonight we will not have a guest. Tonight we will have another, um, hopefully a discussion, but if not, we we will have a topic tonight. And... Um, it's a topic that I think plague a lot of young people, and so I'm really hoping tonight that the young people get involved. Uh, this is uh, so much your show for sure, uh, more so than some of us older people. So tonight I hope, hopefully, the young people will definitely, definitely get involved. But tonight we have a, we'll talk about a lot of things going on with the family. Um, hopefully you all call in with your um uh, news and information, uh, and also tonight, later on, on the hour, 10 o'clock, we will be discussing uh, the topic, uh, and this is a young people's special, and tonight's topic will be, our subject will be, I want God, but I can't stop sinning and feeling guilty. Hmm. I want God, but I can't stop sinning and feeling guilty. So that should be a very important show. As a matter of fact, I asked two young people in the family what they suggest for the name. And so they helped me with that topic. I want God, but I can't stop sinning and feeling guilty. We are going to dig into the scriptures deep on that and get an answer from the most high, no doubt. You can bet your money on that. Don't want you betting, though. So anyway, folks, uh, that's later on tonight at 10 o'clock on the hour. Until the end, there's a lot of uh, news and information, okay? So tonight, um, I'm looking around to see who's who's in the room and who hasn't quite gotten to the room yet. I think what I'm going to do is allow more family members to come. Uh, I did send the, lady, the, the notice out a little late tonight. I mean, not that y'all should need me to remind you in the first place, but I do it as a courtesy to everybody on Facebook at least. And I sent the little phone um Many of you got the uh, little reminder by by uh, text. So hopefully, let me know if y'all are having any issues with that or you don't mind. Um, 
me sending those texts, okay? And speaking of permission, also, if you do not want me to know that you're calling the show, I don't know why you want to do that, but some people just want to be incognito. They don't mind listening to the show, but they do not want Seth calling them out, open up their phone lines, asking them nothing. They just want to listen. Because they got a shot like that. If that's you, not a problem. Do a star 67 before you call that 760-283-0838. Okay? Do that, and um, guess what? I won't know who you are. Blog Talk won't even know who you are. I can't find it out. It's impossible. You know, people have rights these days. Y'all have to excuse me. I'm chewing just a little bit. Hopefully, that's being family. That's okay. It seems like I'm talking to a whole bunch of strangers. But anyway, folks, let me give the family a little bit more time to uh, to contact us on the call. So let's do this. Let's take a little short break. And... Um, we will give the family a little bit more time to uh, hook up with us. I know certain some people um, seem to be always on time, and I don't see them. So let's give them a little bit more time, and we'll be right back. Okay, this should in, this should uh, get you to thinking. This song is always a good one. Okay, check this out. Like the good Lord said, He promised to exalt us, but low is the way. How men be so greedy when there's so much left?
Okay, okay. Billy Preston, that's the way God planned it. I always like that song. Again, family, welcome back to another episode of Blog Talk Radio. This is Seth. I don't even think I said my name earlier, but anyway, this is Seth, those of you who don't know. And uh, we're just trying to network the family tonight with this thing called the Douglas Family Friends Network. That's all it is. Simply plain, no high-polluting shows, just a regular show, family and friends listening. Uh, the goal is to get family and friends to calling in, talking more to each other, exchanging um, information, ideas, I don't know, even something as simple as recipes, you know, but it can't happen unless you do it, family. I know a lot. I know y'all listening because every single show has these numbers in the archives, which means uh, archive meaning you go back after the show and you listen. And I know y'all out there, so I just don't want to keep uh, talking about this every show, but I do appreciate those of you that do give me input. Uh, it's just so few of you, but I still appreciate you, and I appreciate uh those of you that do at least go to the archives and listen to the show. But I would appreciate it sometime y'all could uh, call the show and uh, let us know what you think. Just like about, uh, just a good example would be like tonight. We have the topic, as I mentioned earlier, this is a, show, this is a special show for young people. It don't mean old folks can't, uh, older people can't benefit from it. Truth don't have an age, age to it. But like I said, uh, tonight is one of those times you can get involved. And tonight's topic is called "I Want God, But I Can't Stop Sinning and Feeling Guilty." Most young people I know, that's the those are the things they mention more than any other thing: the guilt, the guilt, the guilt. They don't understand the whole concept of the flesh and its cravings for sin. They don't understand sin itself. They don't understand why sin is in the world. They don't understand why God made evil, and they don't understand the role of Satan. They don't understand the role of the world, worldliness, why is the world wrong. <sighs> questions, questions, questions. How do I overcome sin? How, What empowers me to overcome sin? Can sin even be overcome? These are questions not just young people have, but a lot of young people do have it, okay, more so than I think older people. So tonight, we're going to tackle as many of those questions as possible, and I would love, love, love to hear your input. It's just that simple. My heart is its a very clear goal for tonight. This ain't targeted, no family members. I don't have time for that, please. These shows are far, far, far more important than dealing with one or two people in the family. Uh, you know, it's just far, far, far more important. I don't have time. Don't ever think that, that I will go that stoop that low. This is about uh, not older people uh, in the family per se. This is about young people tonight. But I'm just saying there are all older people that don't have, that don't understand these uh, topics as well. Okay? Just that simple. So it's not anybody, anybody uh, young. I'm not trying to tell y'all young people you need to get saved and you ain't right and none of that. We're just trying to help you understand why you might would say that. I want God, but I can't stop sinning and feeling guilty. Because it is the job of the enemy. I'm talking about evil spirits. It is the job of evil spirits 
Some people say Satan. I don't like saying Satan all the time because Satan is just one being. He can't be everywhere at all times. Most of the dealings we get from evil is evil spirits, his imps, his followers. These are fallen spirits, fallen angels, folks, fallen angels we're talking about. This is just one of the enemies. We also have the flesh, that part of us that craves sin. We'll be talking a lot about that tonight. And worldliness, which is other people's flesh and whatever evil spirit activity is going on with them. As well as the good that other people do. That's what you call the world. So we've got three enemies, the world, the flesh, and Satan. The world, the flesh, and Satan. The world, the flesh, and Satan. These are the true enemies. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, so it's not against black people or white people or Hispanics. Or These are not our enemies. Never have been. Can't be. It's impossible. Our enemies are the world, the flesh, and Satan. And these three enemies get the victory over us through lies, which is total wrong information, deception, which is half truth, half lie, ignorance, which is no information at all, or sometimes even if you know the truth, you're not ignorant, you're not deceived. And you don't have no lies. The enemy will just force things on you. And you have to stand against him and bind him and resist. So those are the three things. The three enemies, again, the world, the flesh, and Satan. The way they overcome us is through lies, wrong information, deception, half wrong information, ignorance, no information at all. Or sometime when you know the truth and you're not ignorant, the enemy still gets about to take it. Fourth, aggression. You take away those four things and you'll never ever have a problem again in your life. I mean nothing serious. If you took away all the lies in your life, all the misinformation, all the lies, the Bible says my people perish for a lack of knowledge. That's ignorance. If you took away lies, deception, and ignorance, you got an informed believer on your hands. He knows his rights. He knows his God. He knows his flesh. He knows his spirit. You literally got a Christ on your hands, another Messiah, not the Messiah, but you got Messiah just being anointed one. Anyway, family, tonight for the young people, a show for the young people. I want God, but I just can't stop saying I'm feeling guilty. We're going to try our best to give you scriptural proof, scriptural backing, and uh, we don't have a guest, so it's just going to be you and I tonight and this mic. All right, uh, quickly, 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 we won't spend a lot of time on this, but the weather right now, it's uh, 85, feels like 87. And tomorrow, tomorrow, just in case those of you want to know, I can tell you right now, the whole week is going to be clear, clear, clear. Exception tomorrow is a little bit cloudy, but that's the only day. Every other day is clear, clear, clear. So here's what's happening. Monday, high is 97. Thank God it ain't 100. Low is 76. Tuesday, 98. Low, 78. The high again, 98. That's on Tuesday. Low, 78. Wednesday, the high is 97. 
low is 78. All sunny, sunny, sunny the whole week. Thursday, 98. Low 78. Friday, 99. Low 78. Saturday, 100. Low 78. It's like the same weather forecast for every single day. I mean, humidity and uh, precipitation, all the same. Winds of 13 miles an hour for the whole week. There you have it, weather. You ain't got to check it tonight. You just heard it. On the Book of Douglas Family Friend Network. All right, let's go into the movies. Y'all seem to like that. Movies, movies, movies. We'll do the top ten starting from the, starting with number ten. And we'll work all the way up to the top movie for this weekend. So over the weekend, people like us came in at number ten. It grossed over the weekend four million. Uh, to date, it's four million. It, it debuted. Okay. Um, number nine, Snow White and the Huntsman grossed four million. To date, 145. Number eight, more Moonrise Kingdom over the weekend, 4.8 million. Today, it has grossed 18.4 million. At number seven, uh, Prometheus over the weekend, 4.9. It has grossed to date, 118. Number six, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter over the weekend, 6 million. It grossed to date, it has grossed $29 million. Madagascar comes in at number five. Over the weekend, it grossed $11.8 million. That's good. To date, $180 million. All right. On number four, this is a popular one. Should be among us. Tyler Perry's Medea's Witness Protection. Over the weekend, 26.3 million. It debuted, so that's what it is, gross to date, uh, all the way to today. Uh, Brave is still holding strong at number three. We're still holding strong in the top ten, I should say. Weekend over the weekend, it grows thirty-four million. Uh, gross to date, one hundred thirty-one million. Wow. Number two, uh, coming in at number two. You want to guess? You want to guess? Want to guess? Come on, guess, guess, guess. Magic Mike came in over the weekend at thirty-nine million. Close to date, third I mean, it debuted yesterday. And the top movie over the weekend, I'm shocked at this movie. It looked boring, but obviously millions don't think so, is Ted. It grossed over the weekend, uh, $54 million. The gross to date is $54 because, like I said, it debuted. All right, folks, what do y'all think of that? Hmm. Okay, let's go ahead and do this. Let's hear from the president. I said every single week we was going to do this. It's very important that we hear from the leader of this country. You know, I really believe in respecting President uh, uh, Barack Obama. I just think he just gets so little respect compared to all these other presidents. So what better time with what better people, this family, than to respect the President of the United States. I'm telling y'all, uh, this man is no joke, all the things he has done. No, I don't agree with everything he has done. Tell you that right now. Don't agree with the abortion issue. Don't agree with the abortion issue. Sorry. We, I don't agree with the way he's done abortion. I don't believe the way he's done gay rights. However, you have to weigh out the evils. 
can't vote a president in based upon just abortion and gay rights, like the like the left right wing church is trying to get us to do. Don't be fooled by TBN, Daystar, and all these other people that's bad mouthing Obama. You gotta listen and look at the whole picture. What is he doing? Good compared to what others have done in the past. Y'all know exactly what the Republicans are about. Don't be fooled. Okay? Don't be fooled. As a matter of fact, let me do something here. Um, let's see here. I want to uh, see if I got this old clip. Let's listen to Uncle Bud. This was an old show. Him talk about politics just every bit of a minute and 35 seconds. Then we'll play President Obama. Check this out. This is your Uncle Bud. Remember Uncle Bud, uh, Caleb Booker? Republican, independent. I started that too quick. But this is Uncle Bud, Caleb Booker's. Uh, um, if you don't know who Caleb Booker is, Caleb Booker's Asley and Caleb Senior son. Okay, this is my Uncle Bud talking about politics and the Republicans. It's only about a minute and a half. Check this out. Uh, a Republican, independent. How you feel politically? What's your political stand on Obama? And just, just give me a quick nut, nutshell of where you stand on everyday events with. Well, I'm, 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 I'm a Democrat. You know, I'm like <laughs> I've always, I've been a Democrat since I can remember Dwight Eisenhower. Why? <laughs> hmm? Because, Why? Because it appears to me that Democrats is for helping the poor, you know, poor people, and, you know, less fortunate people of society, okay? Republicans seem to be more interested in the wealth and the rich, you know. To me, uh, I can't see that 10% of the world population, of the, of the money, the economy of the world, belong to 10% of the people. You know. That's true. That's true. So actually, some yeah, it's true, and, and that's what this whole Occupy Wall Street is all about. They're upset because one percent of America owns most of the wealth. I think one percent. I know ten percent own eighty percent of the wealth. I know that, and I think one percent right. own like sixty. It's it's pretty pathetic. <laughs> and the cool so, part about that, and the cool part about it, is seventy percent of the of the wealth. Was inherited. See. There you have it. That's Uncle Bud giving his take on the uh, Republican Party as well as the Democrats. That's in a minute. I'm sure he could go probably instead of a minute, a whole day. But anyway, here's your president. And this is a very short clip. This is his weekly address. He does this every single week. And um, if you get a chance, you really should uh, listen to this on your own. If you don't have time to get in politics and get all involved, and you say, oh, that's worldly stuff, I ain't got time, I got bills, I got a man, I got a woman, I got too many things in my mind, my favorite show is coming on TV, I don't have time. Well, you can at least listen to the weekly address, and the president give you a synopsis of what he has done for the week and what he's trying to do, what's going on. So check this out. This is your president, President um, Obama. He's coming. Hi, everybody. I'm here in Colorado Springs, uh, visiting some of the devastating fires that have been taking place uh, over the last several days. Uh, as many of you have been watching on television, uh, entire communities uh, are under threat, and we had a chance to tour some of the devastation that has been taking place uh, in some of the subdivisions here. 
Uh, firefighters are working 18 hours a day around the clock uh, trying to make sure that they get this uh, blaze under control. Uh, we've got volunteers who are out here who are making sure that uh, these firefighters have the food and uh, the, the water and all the resources that they need. Uh, and we've been engaging in some uh, unprecedented coordination between federal, state, and local communities uh, to try to bring this fire under control. Uh, and one of the things I've done here, in addition to saying thank you to these firefighters, is uh, to let them know that all of America has their back. Uh, you know, one of the things that happens, whether it's a fire uh, here in Colorado or a tornado in Alabama or Missouri or uh, a flood uh, or a hurricane in Florida, one of the things that happens uh, here in America is that when we see uh, our fellow citizens uh, in trouble and having difficulty, we come together. Uh, as one American family, as one community. And uh, you see that spirit and you see that strength here in Colorado Springs uh, where uh, people are, are working together, uh, promising each other to rebuild. Uh, we've got to make sure that uh, we are there with them every step of the way, even after this fire is put out. So for those of you who can provide some help, uh, you should get on the online site of American Red Cross. They're very active in this community and you can make your contributions there. Uh, we're going to continue to make sure that uh, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, uh, the Forest Service, uh, our military, National Guard, and all the resources that we have available at the federal level uh, are brought to bear uh, in fighting this fire. This is a good reminder of what makes us Americans. We don't just look out for ourselves. We look out for each other. Uh, and one of the things that I told these firefighters is uh, that you know, we can provide them all the resources they need but only they provide the courage and the discipline uh, to be able to actually fight these fires. Uh, and it's important that we appreciate what they do, not just when our own communities are struck by disaster. Uh, it's important that we remember what they do each and every single day uh, and that we continue to provide support to our first responders, our emergency management folks, our firefighters, uh, our military, everybody who helps secure our liberty and our security each and every day. So, uh, America, I hope you guys remember the folks uh, during these times of need. I know this is a little bit unusual. We don't usually do uh, weekly addresses like this, but uh, I thought it was a good opportunity for us to actually focus attention on a problem uh, that's going on here in Colorado Springs. We never know when it might be our community that's threatened, and uh, it's important that we're there for them. All right? Thank you very much. Right. Uh, so that was a little different. You heard him say he don't normally cover this type of topic, but uh, keep those people in prayer for real. No joke. Okay. Um, just real quick, I wanted to mention a few things, and then we're gonna uh, go on with other parts of the show. Um, this show, um, well, this show is for the Book of Douglas Family Friends Network, and I know we got. Friends of the family that listen, and I, they didn't really come on board until recently. And so there's people that are listening right now. They're not related to us. They are friends, which we know this is the Book of Douglas Family Friends Network. And I just want to briefly just go over some real quickly because they don't really know everybody, and I can't do that. I'm not trying to accomplish it. I just want to say that we are two branches of families. Uh, Booker and the Douglases, uh, Caleb and Asley Booker is only part of the picture. I know I say their names a lot, but uh, there is uh, several. Uh, this family consists of Caleb's 
Booker family and uh, Azalee Douglas family. Two different people came together, two families come together, and uh, there are lots of people on both sides. Even in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, there's a whole lot of people we have yet to reach out to, lots and lots and lots of people on both sides. So with the with the um, Booker side, uh, excuse me, with the Douglas side, there are people literally in Missouri, uh, California, uh, Florida, uh, the Netherlands, uh, just, and I probably missed something, you get in trouble, but they're everywhere, literally, okay? And with the Douglas side, excuse me, with the Booker side, um, there are scattered just as much more concentrated in Texas. But just so you know, that's who the Booker, Douglas, and Friends families uh, is. Now, it ain't just the Booker's and Douglas' last name. I know y'all know that. But what this show is trying to do is, like I said earlier, network with different people. Network with different people all over. It's not so much we focus on the Booker and Douglas. We first did, if you really want more information on this, I'll tell you how you can get it. It'll save me a lot of talking here. Listen to the first two shows. Uh, first part, the first part of the first two shows, and you'll get a whole lot of information. And uh, the first shows, we did a lot of interviewing of family members, so you'll know who's who. There was a lot of talk about who's who, so if that's you concerned about that, there you have it. All right, I want to play a little song by Maya Angelou that I thought was appealing, and um, we kind of do some little differences, a little bit of poetry for those of you that like poet poetry. And... Um, this is just a little something, like I say, uh, this is the one and only Maya Angelou, and we want our um, young people that don't know who she is, and some of y'all old people don't know who she is, to just get a feel of the one and only Maya Angelou. Uh, we got to appreciate these people before they pass. And I know there's boys, even his family, but uh, I cannot uh, stress again that I need you to let me know that. And if you're one of those persons, you have a poem, and you want the family to know about it and you want your name associated with it, just simply call me, text me, email me, and we'll play you as much as we play these other folks, all right? That's what it's really all about, our family and our friends, more so than, the, you know, other people. But we definitely will listen to Maya Angelou and other great uh, poets. Here we go. Maya Angelou. Everyone in the world has gone to bed one night or another with fear or pain or loss or disappointment, and yet each of us has awakened, arisen, uh, somehow made our ablution, seen other human beings, and said, morning, how are you? Find thanks in you. It's amazing. Wherever that abides in a human being, there is the nobleness of the human spirit, despite it all, black and white, Asian, Spanish, Native American, pretty, plain, thin, fat, Vowed a celibate, we rise. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll arise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Just because I walk as if I have oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like suns and like moons with the certainty of tides, just like hope springing high, still I rise. 
Did you want to see me broken? Bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries. Does my sassiness upset you? <laughs> Don't take it so hard just because I laugh. <laughs> As if I have gold mines digging in my own backyard. You can shoot me with your words. You can cut me with your lies. You can kill me with your hatefulness. But just like life, I rise. Does my sexiness offend you? Oh, does it come as a surprise that I dance? As if I have diamonds at the meeting of my thighs. Out of the huts of history, shame, I rise. Up from a past rooted in pain, I rise. A black ocean leaping and wide. Welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak miraculously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave. I am the hope and the dream of the slave. And so, naturally, There I go rising. Hmm. I always love that. You know, some some poems just that they just can't get old, just can't get tired. Kind of like some songs. Anyway, folks, um, tonight we won't have any Robbie calling with her inspiration um, uh, moment. We're gonna do some other little things here, so it should be interesting. Just to just make a. Few changes uh, for this week. It shouldn't. Should, y'all should like a little something different every once in a while. So we'll do something a little different. I will say this: Amy Robbie spoke this morning at service, and uh, she will be uh, involved in a revival from Wednesday to Friday. Wednesday to Friday, okay. And uh, if you're listening to this show, and uh, you want to support Amy Robbie, this will be at. Um, um, got a mental block, can you believe that? But she will be uh in revival. She was she spoke this morning, uh, at Wesley Chapel and then uh this Wednesday through Friday she's gonna be speaking at Wesley Chapel seven thirty is what she told us last week, okay? All right, so supporting Robbie, supporting Robbie, supporting Robbie, okay. Um any other family news here? I'm trying to see what I have here. Well let's do this. I want to uh, spend as much time as I can with our subject tonight again. Those of you tuning in and <laughs> those of you just tuning in and you don't know exactly what is going on, what the topic it is, I want God, but I can't stop sinning and feeling guilty. So that is the topic for tonight. I uh, want to go ahead and play a very important clip. It's about 14 minutes long, but it's so worth it. This is Dr. Ornished. Y'all know who Dr. Ornish is, O-R-N-I-S-H? This man is the top uh, uh, physician in the country where it relates to heart disease. He has uh, found a way to reverse reverse heart disease. So when y'all hear the word heart disease, you young people don't say, oh, I ain't got to do with me, I'm all anything, my heart is good. No, 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 no. You want to hear this guy because he show you how to have an even stronger heart if you don't have heart disease. 
I mean, he is the bomb. This everybody's listening to this man right now. So, folks, don't take this program. Matter of fact, share this with friends. Y'all share this show with friends. Click on the word share, and email this show to friends uh, where uh, where they can hear Doctor Ornish talk about um, heart disease. This is major, major, major. And the old had him on. I'm sure y'all probably saw her. And he's he's on everybody's show. So. Anyway, check out Dr. Uh, when you get a chance and you're not, uh, you get a chance to look him up online and do that. I'm telling you, he's the bomb. Okay? You heard it from me first. If you, did, if you didn't know, now you know. Here he is, Dr. Uh, Ornish, talking about reversing heart disease and strengthening your heart. Check this out. In seven days. We found that your blood flow to your brain improves in just a week or two. You really? think more clearly, you have more energy. So you could remember where you put your keys. <laughs> That's right. Coming up, Dr. Ornish's dietitian raided Lori's refrigerator, and Lori was shocked to learn the truth about the food she thought were heart healthy. What to feed your heart? That's what we're talking about today. We're talking with Dr. Dean Ornish about what to feed your heart to reverse or prevent heart disease. There are two different plans. The number one killer of women, we just heard uh, how 31-year-old Lori was shocked when her back pain turned out to be a heart attack. And now she wants to know how she can reverse her heart disease. So we sent one of uh, Dr. Ornish's registered dietitians, because you have a whole clinic, don't you? We do. It's a nonprofit research institute. Okay, so he has dietitians, and so they went to her house to help her get started. Take a look. I've really begun to enjoy yogurt. I can have it for a snack. I can bring it to work. This particular yogurt does have quite a bit of sugar to it. It has 42 grams of sugar, which is about the same amount that you would find in a can of soda. Okay. Sugar can increase your triglycerides, which can cause problems for your heart. Okay. An alternative might be choosing the non-fat plain yogurts and adding your own fruit to it. Well, another thing I really enjoy, I like to sit and snack on olives. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's good for me or not, but I really do like them. Olives do contain a lot of saturated fat. Even though we they think do. of olives and olive oil as being healthier alternatives, they do still contain a saturated fat, which will increase your own blood levels of the bad cholesterol. An alternative for you might be using capers, especially in cooking. Capers can give that same zingy flavor that olives can provide. Sometimes I grab one of these frozen, frozen dinners for lunch. Uh, I don't know, though. I, the labels can be really confusing. Look for both the total fat and looking down at also the saturated fat. So there's only one gram of, of saturated fat, which is a good choice. On this one, it does have a little bit of hydrogenated soybean oil. And hydrogenated means that it could contain some trans fatty acids, okay. which are just as bad as saturated fat in increasing your total level of cholesterol in your blood. Uh, one of the things I've really always enjoyed is bagels. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, I ho I'm hoping they're still good for me because I don't want to give them up. Well, these bagels are a refined carbohydrate. They're made from white flour, and they essentially have very little fiber in them. I would recommend the whole wheat bagel, if possible, cut back on your portion size. Okay. They're also so incredibly dense that a bagel is equivalent to almost three to four slices of bread. The refined carbohydrates can increase your insulin levels, which again, indirectly can cause problems for your heart. So it's really important to avoid white bread, white rice, 
white pasta. There are many whole grain alternatives to that. Okay. If you're looking for at least three grams of fiber, five is optimal. The fiber that you find in breads and grains is really important for your heart. I love fresh fruit and I love almost every vegetable out there. I recommend blueberries and other berries for their antioxidant activities which can prevent scarring in the arteries. If I follow all these regimens and if I eat the right foods, what are my chances of reversing the effects of my heart disease? The more changes that you make towards a lower fat diet, more of a plant-based diet, we can actually reverse your heart disease, which is really good news. Wow, that's, that's wonderful. Do you feel good about it? Do you feel motivated? It's wonderful. Yeah. You do? It's been wonderful. Yeah. I enjoy all the foods. I just, it's a real good life change. Really? Real happy. And having had a heart attack is a big motivation. Definitely. Right. Were you surprised that this could happen to your wife? Very surprised. Um, I knew something, you were talking about that instinct feeling. Yeah. I knew something was wrong, so we took the day off. And she saw your promo for your show, and that, that did it. If she would have gone to the hospital that Sunday, she wouldn't have forced the doctor to do a test. That's right. And it's they wanted like, to tell her that there was, she's too young, her heart's oh yeah. fine. Just like the woman on the show. They yep. say, oh, no, 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 you have to, you have to keep pushing because one of the things I have learned, you have to be your own advocate. Definitely. Because people looked, will just tell you it's a pull muscle and stress and right. send you own home. That's right. I looked at the tech and I said, I, I'm sorry, I know you said that you don't think it's my heart, but I, I, I insist I need an EKG because I have three small children at home and I want to be there for them, you mm -hmm. know. They're too young. <laughs> wow. So they did, the, they did the test. Well, Dr. Ornish says that a single meal high in fat, Laura, you'll be interested to hear this, can cause your arteries to constrict and spasm. So, oh, wow. <laughs> that doesn't mean you should never eat a single meal. If you have heart disease, though, you'd be better off not doing that because it makes your arteries constrict. It makes your blood clot faster. So does, used to be a smoker. So does this, the nicotine in cigarettes. So I went to my stress. mother's house one time. I had dinner at my mother's house. You know, soul food dinner. I know we were talking with soul food, Sunny. There was so much fat at that dinner. Like, they had so much fat. Macaroni and cheese, fried catfish, fried chicken, fried pies, that a big lump just came on my head. <laughs> my body just said, enough already with the fried foods, really. So I'm, I'm telling you, like, some, some people's Sunday dinners, can constrict their whole body, not just a few arteries. Dr. Ornish tells us why hydrogenated fats can be more damaging to your heart. Yeah, they increase the shelf life of food, which is why manufacturers use them, but they decrease your shelf life. That's the problem. Oh. Uh, because they get converted into cholesterol and they build up plaque in your arteries. If a thing says low in cholesterol, because as you said, it's so confusing. If it says low in cholesterol, what does that mean? It means that it's low in cholesterol, but it could still be high in fat. So like, for example, a bottle of oil is 100% fat, it's liquid fat, but it has no cholesterol. So you have to, so they try to fool you, you know, they try to say, and some of the foods may be fat free, but then they have tons of sugar in them. So right. You want and to, how does sugar affect your heart? Sugar gets absorbed quickly, it causes your body to make insulin, and the insulin lowers your blood sugar, but it causes you to gain weight, because it converts calories into triglycerides, which is both how your body stores fat, and what clogs up your arteries. Which is also why if you are a diabetic, your chances of heart disease are increased. Greatly increased. And did you know that diabetes in 30-year-olds has gone up 70% in the last 10 years? 7-0, 70%. So this is a real cultural time bomb that we're dealing with now because of the way our eating habits have been changing. Wow. Lori says she uses margarine or olive oil instead of butter. What is the healthiest choice? 
Well, margarine's better for you than butter, but it's better even to avoid margarine because margarine is really high in fat too. Now, some of the newer margarines are, have what are called plant sterols that can lower your cholesterol. They cost more, but if you, if you really want to eat margarine, try to get those. Isn't olive oil okay? If you're trying to prevent disease, it's fine. But if you're trying to reverse disease, it's not. Because, first of all, from a weight, if you're trying to lose weight, right. I, I can't tell you how many people say, oh, the olive oil is good for me. They pour it on their food, they dip their bread in it, they pour it on their salad dressing. One tablespoon of any oil, including olive oil, as you know, has 14 grams of fat. Right. One scoop of premium ice cream mm -hmm. has about 14, 16, 17 grams of fat. So you put two tablespoons of olive oil on your salad, let's say, it's like putting two scoops of ice cream on there from a weight standpoint. People, you know, gain a lot of weight. The, the simplest way to lose weight is to reduce the amount of oil in your diet, okay? Now, olive oil has lower saturated fat than ice cream, but it still is about 14% saturated fat. So, so olive oil is good if you're trying to prevent, not if you're trying to reverse. Exactly. Okay. And there are two separate plans. Correct. As I said before, there's a whole book that you have on reversing heart disease. That's right. But I don't need that because I don't have it. That's right. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. We heard the dietician mention blueberries. Dr. Ornish says that blueberries, bananas, garlic, and tomatoes are especially good for your heart. There are a lot of foods like that that are called functional foods. It's not just what you exclude in your diet, it's what you include that have protective effects. And blueberries, for example, can help prevent heart disease, they have antioxidants, can help prevent uh, cancer, they can actually increase memory in some recent studies. Bananas are high in potassium, which can stabilize the rhythm of your heart. One of the best things that people can do is take three grams a day of fish oil. Fish oil comes, I know it doesn't sound very appealing, but fish oil comes in one gram capsules in many like pharmacies and health food stores. Three grams a day can reduce sudden cardiac death by 50 to 80%. So if people don't remember anything else from this show, tell them to start taking three grams a day of fish oil. It can I also, think you're telling them right now. Thank you. Because <laughs> it can also reduce your incidence of breast cancer in women, prostate cancer in men, arthritis, and lower your triglycerides. A lot of good stuff from that. I know. I thank you. You sent me a year's supply. <laughs> Coming up, Dr. Ornish's Gourmet Chef shows this mom with high blood pressure the secret to making a rich and creamy, heart-healthy fettuccine Alfredo. See if it will pass her family's taste test. We'll be right back. We're talking to Dr. Dean Ornish about his groundbreaking program for treating heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. This is Sharon, a 38-year-old working mother of four who recently learned that her blood pressure was so high she needed medication. Take a look at how her busy lifestyle is taking a toll on her heart. I'm 38 years old. I'm a full-time mom, a full-time wife, and a full-time social worker. People look at my age and assume that there can't be anything wrong with my heart. I was recently diagnosed with high blood pressure. I'm concerned about that because I know that's one of the contributing factors to heart disease. I'm worried about having a heart attack. I get palpitations every day, several times a day. Uh, I'm on medication to control it, but it's really not controlling it. I feel shortness of breath every day. I can climb one flight of stairs and have to gasp for air. Usually, I just feel like I have no energy. What's stressful uh, in my life, being a wife and a mother, I guess, is the fact that I have to do everything. You know, that's how I feel. I have to get up, get my kids ready to go to school, go to work, come home, prepare dinner, help with homework, spend some time with my husband, and then that's it. That's my day. And I think that's just, that's stressful. I feel overwhelmed by my life. I think I'm a people pleaser, and that alone 
I do find it difficult to take time out for myself and to relax. My biggest fear is that I will have a heart attack and die and not be around to see my children grow old or grow up. Usually, I don't eat breakfast. And if I'm out in the field or visiting clients, the easiest thing for me to do is just to zip into a fast food restaurant and get something to eat and eat on the dough. I'm an expert at eating a hamburger and driving at the same time. I want to learn how to eat healthier. And, you know, I just don't have the energy and I feel like I don't want to stay in the kitchen for three hours to prepare a meal. So Sharon says her husband and children are picky eaters. They don't want to give up their favorite dishes. So we sent Dr. Ornish's gourmet chef, Dennis Malone, to show Sharon how to prepare heart-healthy meals that the whole family will love, or at least start to love. <laughs> Make them love it. Will, it. will it pass her family's taste test? We'll take, take a look right here. Sharon, I heard one of your family's favorite meals is fettuccine alfredo. Yes, we love fettuccine alfredo. Ooh, I do too. I'm going to teach you how to do that heart healthy style. Great. Let's start the sauce over here. Okay. I usually just purchase a, a jar of alfredo sauce and the pasta and mix it together. And what do you serve it with? Uh, garlic bread and uh, green salad. Let's take a look at some of the ingredients that you use when you make this meal. Okay. Well, here's the salad dressing. 14 grams per serving. That's a lot of fat. Garlic bread, 9 grams of fat for one slice. I think that's awful. <laughs> so let's see if we can't cook this same meal in a way that's much healthier for your heart. Great. Now we're going to make the base of the Alfredo sauce. And we're going to use white cannelli beans and soy milk. And these are ingredients that are healthy. Oh. So the first main ingredient is a cannoli bean. It's like the great northern or the white bean, and we use this bean because it has a whole lot of flavor. So we're going to put them in the blender first. We're not going to use regular cow's milk with a lot of fat and cholesterol. We're going to use soy milk, which is very healthy for the heart. The base is made. The fettuccine is boiling on the stove. So now we're going to add to the cream sauce the ingredients that really give the Alfredo sauce its characteristic flavor and punch. Some roasted garlic, now a little bit of salt, some fresh ground pepper, and my favorite, some fresh ground nutmeg. That looks really pretty. Sharon, now we're going to add some additional ingredients that add both flavor and color. My family doesn't like broccoli. I've discovered that kids really like broccoli if they like the sauce that it's in. It might be a good way to get some broccoli into your kids. Now we're going to do a twist on the tossed salad. This is what I call a composition salad. We're going to start by mixing the red romaine. Actually, we'll use most of this. And then some nice, beautiful baby arugula. And then some organic mixed field greens. Sharon, if you wouldn't mind making the salad dressing, it's really easy. Oh, I would love to. All you have to do is pour a little bit of this non-fat salad dressing in the bowl. I'll add a little extra vinegar. This is white balsamic vinegar. Okay, folks. Interesting clip, huh? I'm telling you, heart disease is major, major, major. And like I said, if you're a young person, you listen, you're saying, hey, y'all, I don't know what me, man. I'm in good shape. I don't know why you played that. I don't really need it. I'm telling you, folks, we need that. And if, like, prevent it. 
Young people, that's the, that's the word for the day for you with with, with regards to the, what you just heard, preventive. If you don't need, uh, you think you don't need it because you're young and your heart is strong, well, it won't hurt to eat those things you heard, uh, look into uh, researching what you heard. You don't really need to research. He is the researcher, and he is known by millions. So this guy has uh, been highly accredited. So I would take him up on blueberries, bananas, and, and all the things you've heard, okay? So anyway, that was your health tip for, health tip for today. We won't have, uh, did you know, my favorite, one of my favorite new parts of the show. We won't do that today because of time. I want to get right into this topic of um, um, with regards to the young people. And, again, it's not just for the young people. But it um, it's for the young people, but it's really uh, it, older people can use it as well. And that topic is, the title to the show, uh, to this topic is, I want God, but I can't stop sinning and feeling guilty. We're going to try to attack uh, this thing that's keeping our young people and this family from pursuing the most high. It's a trick of the enemy. It tripped me up when I was young for a long time. I have to tell that testimony here in a second. So... Uh, let's do this. Let's take a little short break, and I mean short break, and we'll be right back. Um, so I'm going to let everybody know to get your pencils and pens, and uh, let's get into it. I'm telling you, uh, young people, I really thank you all for tuning in tonight and uh, listening to this. I really do. It's going to help you. Some of you that will listen to this show right now will no doubt Pursue a strong relationship with the Most High for the rest of your life, and that's the goal of the show. Yes, we're networking, but we're networking for the sake of pleasing the Father. And what else is there to do? For real, work wild. So we'll be right back, folks. Okay, folks, I'm back. 
again, you listen to the Booker Douglas Family Friends Network, and this is the time of the show where we have our uh, either we interview a guest or we have a topic. And the topic for tonight is again we're dealing with the sin question, and it's not again just for young people. You older people, get your pencil, pens, recorders. You're gonna get a whole lot of scriptures at you tonight. I want to start off by saying and defining or defining what is sin. Okay. What is sin? I know some of y'all say, oh, I know what it is. Well, okay. Let's still turn to uh, James. Let's have to make sure I got this here. Okay. You can turn to your Bible. Those of you who have your Bibles, hopefully you have your Bible. James 4 and 17. James 4 and 17. James is in the New Testament. And James 4 and 17, uh, and and folks, I like to stick with the uh, King James Version Bible, okay? All scriptures will always be read from the King James Version Bible. That's a whole number of the Bible study as to why why I prefer that, but uh, for sure, for sure. Um, Let's see how we'll do this. Let's do this. Okay, we'll do it like this. Okay, we'll just go ahead. Instead of read just 17, we'll read above that. Uh, just keep it all in perspective, okay? Um, we'll start at verse 15. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will... Okay, hold on. Let's go down to uh, verse 16, because that's talking about uh, something else. But now you rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is not evil. 417 says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Again, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. The part of the scripture we want to focus on where it says, And know it, and that, that to him that knoweth to do good. And do it is not, do it is not to sin. So if sin is somebody is doing something that you think is wrong, but they don't know that it's wrong to the most high, believe it or not, it's not sin. Will it have the effects of sin? Yes, it could kill them. You know, you're cheating on somebody's wife, or you, um, you know, you're treating your money in a way that shouldn't be like gambling. It can cost you your life. The whole purpose of, let me just, the whole purpose of the reason why the Most High don't want us sinning is because it takes life from you. It takes from all of us. It steals, kills, and destroys some way. Or another. As a matter of fact, you can say it like this. If an act does not steal, kill, and destroy in some kind of way, you, your neighbor, or the most high, you can't kill the most high, but I mean, you know, take like, instead of you having a good relationship, a sin could stop you from having a good relationship with the most high. And in that case, the most high is minusing. He's without your fellowship. 
So that's what I mean by take from the Most High. If an act steal, kill, and destroy from your neighbor, yourself, or your relationship with the Most High, it's a sin. If it does not, it's not a sin. One thing I used to hate about a lot of the holiness churches back in the day, they would create stuff that was a sin that the most I never said wasn't a sin. Some people just want to always have you under control, and they'll just make up stuff. But if it does not hurt or harm you in any way, your neighbor, or your relationship with the Most High. Nobody on this planet, don't let them trick you, can tell you or convict you of sin. All right, so let's talk about sin, what it is. Having said that, let's turn to First uh, uh, John. Okay, I'm going to turn to First John. Not St. John, First John. This is First John, excuse me, 3 and 4. First John 3 and 4. Okay. Now, we probably should do a more thorough Bible study, but I'm assuming young people, I don't want to run you off while I get you to listen good, but I actually could take any one of these scriptures and read the whole chapter and do a Bible study. Probably you could too. It's a lot more. I'm just giving you scriptures, what you need to do and what I recommend you to do, if, if I can do that. I'm not trying to be nobody's pastor tonight, but I don't want to always have guests talking about different topics and discussion. I feel like sometime I should do them, and y'all should just uh, participate with me. If you want to interrupt me tonight, fine. Press 1 on the phone lines. If you're in the chat room, go ahead and type your question in. I am keeping an eye on the chat room and the phone lines, okay? Please don't think this is just my show. I despise that. All right? Now, First John 3 and 4 says, Whosoever commits sin transgresseth also the law. Here we go. Watch this. For sin is the transgression of the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Some of y'all say, well, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means by uh, sin is the transgression of the law. What do you mean by transgression of the law? Now, some of y'all that know this stuff, bear with me, because some people actually don't know this. Remember, this show tonight is really targeted for the young people. So some things I may break down uh, that I don't even break down, okay? All right. The law is statutes given by the Most High. Transgression is to simply not keep the law, for lack of a better uh, just go with that. It's the it's not keeping or or to violate to to to. And I'm seeing. I'm trying to see. I'm trying to actually look up the Hebrew. Uh, excuse me. The uh, yeah, the Hebrew definition of transgression look like Strong's for the first time. Don't even render transgression. They don't have a definition for that. But like I say, it is to avoid, disobey, disrespect, 
walk over the law. Simple and plain. So later on, we're going to talk about uh, the law itself and how that now uh, the Bible says where there is no law, there is no transgression. We're no longer under the law. If we can't be under the law, how can sin even exist? And some, in as far as our relationship with the Most High, I want to jump ahead. I want to jump ahead. But you're going to see a little later on this broadcast. That's why I'm telling you this now to kind of tease you. You're going to see a little later on in this broadcast that we are no longer under the law in terms of it blocking us from having a relationship with the Most High. Now, sin, when we sin or when we uh, do things against our conscience, uh, against our spirit, we do pay for it. But we're no longer under the uh, Levitical laws and and, um, the curse that was associated with it. But we'll get into that a little later on. All right, folks. Uh, I want to just kind of quickly, quickly go over, I mean, I do mean quickly, uh, what exactly I'm going to be talking about here in the next 55 minutes. We're going to finish up here, what is sin? Then we want to talk about why we sin. Um, I also want to talk about where is sin at. People say, well, what causes us to sin? Where does it come from? We want to talk about that. We want to talk about can we stop it? We want to talk about um, uh, how do we stop it, if it can be stopped. We want to talk about uh, scriptures that constantly tell us that if we sin, we uh, it, it appears certain, some scriptures are saying we're going to hell or we're going to be judged, we're going to see death, blah, 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 blah. The consequences, I guess I should say, of sin. Um, and um, then we want to talk about sin taken away. Sin taken away. How that our sins, what do they mean by, in one, one minute you hear a preacher some of your pastors say sin has been taken away, and then in the next breath they'll say you got to give an account of everything you do when you die. And if it's taken away, why are we giving an account of it when we die? They'll say the Father is going to put this sin as far as he's, he's going he's gonna to put it out of his memory as far as the east is from the west. That's how David puts it in Psalms. But then they turn around and say, you're going to give an account when you die. It's very confusing to young people and to old people alike. Don't think these old people got together. They don't know. A lot of people just don't know. They stand like they know. They look like they know. They they look all assured themselves. But if you start questioning them, you're going to do like I did when I was coming up as a child. You get in trouble because they don't have no answers, and they don't like telling you they don't have no answers. You just get in trouble. Okay, so uh, we're going to talk about sin being taken away. What does that mean? Uh, Guilt. This show is nothing else. If I don't accomplish nothing else tonight, I want to make sure, I want to make sure that we talk about guilt because this is what's keeping the young people away. This is what keeps mankind away from the presence of the Most High, guilt. It almost destroyed me. I was one of those persons. I wanted to be real and serious about my relationship with the Father, 
And when I kept sinning, 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 I thought that I wasn't real. I wasn't serious. I was playing with God, not realizing that <laughs> it's my heart, you couldn't have a more perfect heart. And that is what the Most High is looking at, your heart. If you're not doing things, I don't want to jump ahead, but if you're not doing things like being spiritual, and by that I mean putting your mind, you know, as one scripture says, keep your mind on me, I'll keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind on me. Uh, if you don't keep, don't mean you have to constantly 24-7 think about the most high, but you have to always keep his law before you, as David talked about so often. And I know I'm quoting scriptures, I'm going to be quoting scriptures, quoting scriptures, and every scripture they're going to give you where it's at because we'll be here all day. I'm just going to the main topics we're talking about. If anything regarding sin, we'll talk about those scriptures. But David had a lot to say about that. But anyway, guilt, 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 we're going to get, destroy this whole thing. But like I said, real quick, I, I, I would just, it would destroy me because when I was sin, I would always think, you know, I'm not real. Not realizing that sin is a part of us. And uh, since we're talking about what is sin and where is sin, sin is in your flesh. Sin is in your flesh. In a little bit, we're going to read Romans 7 and uh, in, in Romans 6, where it talks about how the Apostle Paul had a struggle within him. And he concluded that sin was in his flesh, not in his spirit. He was in his flesh. We're going to read this in a second. But Paul was uh, taught. Let's just go ahead and read it. I don't want y'all thinking I'm making up stuff. Let's just go ahead and read it. How about that? So, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 7. We're going to jump right into this. I was trying to kind of back into it a little bit, but we'll just jump right into it. How about that? It probably ain't going to make sense unless we start with the previous chapter, Romans 6. I'll read fast. Romans 7, I'll slow down. Okay? Now, if you notice Romans 6 and 1 starting, young people, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to warn you. You're going to hear a lot of these, thou's, wherewith, thereto. Don't let that throw you off. They used to throw me off, and I used to, it used to really discourage you from reading the Bible because it's so foreign. But I'm going to try to make this as plain as I can, Okay? Paul was just talking about, uh, we almost got to go back to the previous chapter. Romans 5, 6, and 7, you should read about, and 8, you should read about four times. I know that's 5, 6, 7, 8, that's four chapters and read it four times. If you do that, I guarantee you, be prayerful. I guarantee you, you will not be condemned by sin anymore, okay? Um, so let's go ahead and, and uh, turn in your Bible to Romans 5. Romans 5. Okay, quickly, 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 Romans 5. Yeah, I'm going to uh, turn. And I guarantee I'm going to say some things tonight y'all have never heard. Not that it makes me look this, that, or the other, but I'm just saying a lot of these scriptures people don't talk about. People don't know. People don't read the Bible as a whole that they pass to tell them stuff. All right, Romans 1, most people anyway. Romans 1, I'll read fast. 6, I'll read fast. Uh, 7, will slow down, dissect. 8, will dissect. And I'll share some other scriptures, um, talking about those other things, topics we mentioned. And uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Romans 5 and 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace through, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we will stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, again, I'm going to go fast, so don't don't worry. We're going to talk about sin and guilt, how the most high look at you, uh, uh, how to overcome it, and we're going to slow down when we get to it. I'm just trying to build up to Romans 7. That's the key, key chapter, okay? Uh, verse uh, 5. I'll tell you, let's see if we can skip some of this. Because I'm mainly trying to get to the point about sin. Okay, here we go. Verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, that's Adam, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So by Adam, it's just saying, one more time, let me read it. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. One more time. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Remember what he just said. It's not imputed. Imputed means calculated or or, 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 or or charged. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So even though you didn't sin, sin as bad as Adam did, it still rained. Watch this. Verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, watch this, much more. Remember those two words is probably the most important words I'll say all night. It's talking about if Adam messed up and Adam sinned, then this free gift that's going to come through Christ, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus, has abound unto many. What does all that mean? Since Adam messed up and sinned, and we all have been cursed because of that to some degree, it's just saying through this free gift, that Christ is going to offer. We'll talk about this gift in a second. Christ is going to offer a free gift. And by this gift, just as many is going to be justified. A lot of people will say, well, the, the, the way is narrow and only a few going to make it. Well, there may be a few that please the most high, but many Sins have been taken out of the picture, past, present, and future, upon all people. The thing that's going to take people to a lake of fire or that's going to separate them from the Most High is them not accepting the Most High as their Father, them not accepting the gift, but it's taken away. Their debt has been paid. 
past, present, and future sins has been taken care of already. Before you even sin, it's already been taken care of. What does that mean? We're going to read more about this in the future. You'll see what it means in a little bit. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned, by one much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. What? The gift of righteousness. What? The gift of righteousness. Anybody, anywhere on this planet claiming to be righteous can claim it as long as they talk about it as though it was a gift. If they're talking about it as if they work for it, they live holy for it, they didn't do this wrong, they didn't do that wrong, they went to church this morning, they are trying to work for their own righteousness. And the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. None of us, no matter how holy we are, how holy we think we are, no manual efforts is going to make you righteous enough to uh, righteous enough to stand before a holy God. Verse seventeen could be the most popular, could be the most important scripture I read tonight. For if by one man, talking about Adam, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one much more, they which receive the abundance of grace, you got to receive it, and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. That right there is a whole Bible study, but I got a whole lot for you more than that. Verse 18, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. One more time. Therefore, as by the offense of one, talking about Adam, judgment came because of Adam. Judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, talking about Christ or Yeshua, Jesus, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift. It's a free gift. You just receive it like anybody would. The free gift upon all men unto justification of life. I'm going to repeat this one more time, folks. You've got to get this. So we are talking about earlier, we were talking about the subject of this, of this talk tonight being... I can't, I want God, but I can't stop sinning and feeling guilty. You've got to understand, young people and older people, that the sin that we crave every single day, it's our flesh that craves that sin. When we begin born again, when we become born again, when a part of us is brand new, that that's brand new. Craze righteousness. Craze righteousness. It craves 
righteousness 24-7, while another part of us craves evil 24-7. Before I go on, I think I failed to do something. I want to do this, and I want to come right back to this. Y'all, a lot of young people say, whoa, 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 you're going a little too fast. First of all, I don't know why do I sin in the first place. And maybe I didn't make it clear earlier. Every single person the sound of my voice has a body. Every single body, I'm talking about your body, no body has been saved. No physical Flesh body has been saved. Salvation happened inside of us. The Bible says no man coming to the Father unless he draws him. And once you begin to start studying your Bible, and and, 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 and the Father has to draw you. That's a whole other Bible study. But he has to draw you first. And uh, I recommend every young person, if you don't have a desire to live for the most high, first and foremost, you got to just ask the Father to give you a desire. And he has to, in his foreknowledge, draw you. It's, it's a predestination type thing. You have to have been predestined to be in this body. To, I mean, excuse me, I said that wrong. Let me take back, I take back what I just said. The Father, you can only be saved, you can only have the faith to believe all this if the most I give it to you. I will start with reading the scriptures and pursuing the most high. Eventually you will get to where you believe the gospel or you believe the good news about Christ and all that he's done and all this stuff we're talking about tonight. Once you believe that Christ came, lived, died, rose, left, and is returning again, I'm going to say it again. Once you believe that he came, lived, died, rose, left, and is coming again, and you believe these things, obviously what you're saying is you believe the Father is good, and that is how salvation comes. You have to believe that, and then you receive it. When you receive Christ, you're receiving also this gift of righteousness because he is our righteousness, being a lamb slain, Killed for our sins. Let me explain this whole lamb business. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. In the Old Testament, and I'm going to talk fast because of the time sake. In the Old Testament, when Israel would sin, they would kill an animal, and the Most High would take the sin out on the animal and release the people from damnation that was supposed to come when they sinned. Christ came being a billion times more important than these little animals died one time for all sin forever, past sins, present sins, and future sins. It has been taken away just like Israel's sins was taken away. The Most High no longer is going to stop us from entering to his presence like he did the people in the Old Testament without this blood. The blood is already the spear of our Christ. And we now can go into the Holy of Holies. What does that mean? That's fancy talk. That just means you can walk into the presence of the Father and inquire and talk to your daddy. He is a true father. You don't have to run from him because you're sinning. 
And we're going to read that in a little bit. I'm trying to hold off before I get to Romans 7. We're far away from it right now. So this is how sin came again. Uh, if you want, if you want to, hopefully I answered that for you. And let me just say this: uh, for those of y'all that are serious about this subject and you just feel like this this little study ain't enough, if you would go to the Five Smooth Stones front page, look at all the shows I've done, go all the way back, you'll see a show called uh, I think it's Sin and Justification of the Law, something like that. If you can do that. You don't have to worry about. Uh, uh, you, I get into the more way more scriptures than I can do in this little hour. There's two. There's like three shows, two hours at a time, and uh, you can really get a, a good, uh, strong teaching on that with a bunch of scriptures. I'm telling you, if you're very serious about getting out and up under this guilt, let me just go ahead and get the date of those broadcasts where y'all can go straight to the date. Uh, but I'm very serious because. This is what's causing a lot of young people. A lot of young people ain't stupid. They know the way the mo. The, 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 there's it's, it's it's a lot wiser to to serve the Most High. They know that. They know that living righteous is the uh, way to go. Okay, here it is. The first show. Go to the very oldest page that I have on Five Smooth Stones. Go to the oldest page, and you will see information on uh, on. Uh, uh, it's called Righteousness is a Gift, Not of Works. I did that two two shows, and that's four hours. You can't get no more. It's a little over four hours, actually. And if you can do that, you will be blessed. I'm telling you, lots of people have listened. That's one of my most popular shows, uh, not because it's the first show, but it's just people really was blessed by that show. I'm telling you. So do that. Do that, uh, family, and you'll be able to uh, get more scriptures. But we're gonna we're gonna dig here in a little bit. We're about to go 100 miles an hour. So that's why uh, uh, why we sin again. The flesh, you know, when Adam sinned, he fell, uh, and, and as you heard, uh, death reigned upon all of us. But it wasn't just physical death, but I, you know, um, let me explain how I can. I, let me just let me just say it's another way. Uh, when Adam sinned, the Bible says that death came upon us, and uh, our flesh began to crave sin. I mean, I cra- we, you got to understand the flesh. I mean, why did Eve in the first place? Why did Eve in the first place crave sin? We was made three moral agents, which means. We can choose. The most I give us the option to choose. And so had we not been given that option, that means we would be angels. He put put before us life and death, a good and evil, excuse me, good and evil. And he said, choose life. Somebody say, why did the Most High even create evil in the first place? This is a question I had forever. I used to ask this question. Why did he, if he wanted us um, to not sin, why did he even create evil? Why, why did he do it? And, folks, right now what I'm doing is I'm putting that link to the uh, to the show that has more information Um 
putting it in the show's description. So you should be able to look at the description of the show and see this right now. All right? I just said uh, for more information uh, on sin and guilt, click on the link below. But anyway, somebody may say, well, why did he create evil in the first place? Why didn't he just not create evil? Why to be worried about it? That's a very good question. Don't be upset for asking those questions. Don't think you're going to get struck down by lightning or nothing like that. That's a very, very good question. I will answer the question by saying this. If you have a lot of women in the world and a man chose you, if you are a woman, if you are just the opposite, if you are of the opposite sex, you've been chosen by a, you know, from a pool of people. You will get more glory and feel more praised than you would be if there was no options. The most I did make sin. The most I did make sin. But he made it for us to 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 choose righteous. We're supposed to look at it and the Bible says it is even pleasurable. Okay. However, we're supposed to choose away from it. We see it. We see the pleasure of it. And we say, Father, I'd rather live for you. It's just that simple, folks. He gets more glory by the choice of us to choose this pleasurable thing called sin. Not that righteousness, not that choosing good ain't pleasurable. Choosing good is the most pleasurable, but sin is pleasurable. Don't ever, ever, well, you ain't got to have me tell you that. All right, back to Romans 5. We're going to get to Romans 7. I mean, we're going to go Romans 5. Briefly, pick a few few scriptures out of six, and then we're going to go to Romans 7. I guarantee you, if y'all would just stay with me tonight, I know I'm moving a little slow, but it's on purpose. Just bear with me. We're going to go, we're going to speed up, and we're going to start flying in a second. Okay, so just write down these scriptures, and uh, you'll see what I mean here in a second. Okay. All right, so we went on to say that, um, therefore, it's by the offense of one judgment came upon all Men to condemnation, even so by the gift of, uh, even so by righteousness, by righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men. Righteousness is a gift. If you don't write nothing else down by your your notes you're taking, write this down. Righteousness is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. It ain't nothing you can work for. So you say, well, what do you call that when you do do good? Why do people say, well, you got to do right. You need to do right. You need to do right. We say that, but in reality. The righteousness we're trying to do is not accepted by the Father. But we need it to be able to hear the Father. It's called consecration. Consecrate yourself. Paul was talking about how he he kept under his body 
Uh, he said he mortified the deeds of the body. We'll talk about that in a minute. That's Romans 8 and 13. Paul talked about how he mortified or killed, fight against the deeds of the body by uh, by reading scriptures and prayer, praying and fasting. This is how he fight or mortify the deeds of the body. First Corinthians eight and eight, uh, excuse me, uh, nine and twenty seven. He said, "I keep under my body. I keep under my body. Me, uh, he keep his body under. I keep under my body. In other words, I keep my body in check. Cause your body, your body, your flesh, that thing you see when you look in the mirror, that is what craves sin, folks. We'll get into that a little bit later. So sin." The, excuse me, the righteousness that we, the things that we do, like, you know, doing right, keeping the, the, the laws, any laws we, we've heard throughout the, our years and doing right by people and, and treating people as you want to be treated, all these things is good. And if you do them, they help you to be able to listen closely more to the Father because the Holy Spirit is grieved when we don't. And it's hard to hear the voice of the Most High when we got all this other kind of behavior in our life. So we are supposed to, you know, not lie, not cheat, not steal, no any any type of violations of scriptures. Well, yes, we don't do those things, but we don't do those things for the Father to accept us. What we need to do to be accepted by the Father, what we have when we go before the Father is this thing we have received. We're to stand on his promises. He just got to saying promises, meaning the scripture just said that once we receive this free gift, it is righteousness. So when you pray, young people, you need to go before the Father. This is, of course, after you've received Christ. After you receive the Father in your life, and let me make this real quick. Let me tell you this real quick. I gotta say this is major. Christ is not the Father. Christ prayed to the Father. Christ said, "I do do I see what my Father do." One lady put his hands on him and said, "Good Master." He said, "Why do you call me good? There ain't but one good. That's the Father. That's the Father." That's differentiating, differentiating between two, that that that's showing a difference. He says, "Why do you call me good?" We follow Christ's example of how to please the Father. He is not the Father. Very important we understand that. And then one scripture says, one lady came to him and says, "Hey, uh, Christ, will you grant my son to sit on your right hand when you come back in your glory?" And the other one. My other son to sit on your other other side. He said, only the father can do that. Well, it goes to show you he's not the father. Why didn't he just go ahead and grant it or say, I don't want to grant I don't want your son to sit beside me or something. Why did he, he said, that's not for me to do. I can't call that. He didn't even tell him no. He just said, it's not for me to do. I can't do it to the father, the father. He constantly talked to his father, his father, his father, his father. Why do believers or some Christians say he is the father? It's very confusing. We follow Christ's example. He was the perfect example of what the Father is looking for. He was not the Father. As he's trying to fool us, and this is some schizo stuff going on here. Why call me good? I'm not, only the Father's good. He said, only the Father is good. Why didn't he just say thank you if he was the Father? 
Man scripture says, the disciple says, when you come in your glory. Notice I'm not giving no Bible verse because this is what, not what we plan on talking about. I just, I'm just just throwing this in. But they say, when are you returning? He says, only the Father know. Only the Father know. Only the Father know. Okay. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. There it is, right there. For us by one, by Adam, we were made sinners. It says it right there. Romans 5 and 19. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Made righteous. It didn't say many will do righteous. You're made righteous. You're either righteous or you're not. Righteous really could be said it's like a race of people. All these people that believe is true to believers, they're righteous. But it's not based upon nothing they did. It's a gift. When they live right, I don't even shouldn't even say the word live right. But when they walk upright, or they try to keep the the, the laws, these are so they can keep sin out of their life. And you say, wait, why are you saying sin was in their life? But it, you still can violate scriptures. But it's just that sin won't block you from having a relationship with the Father. But it will cause you problems on this planet if you sin. It could cause you to die early. You, if you sin against your body or sin against your mind or if you sin any kind of way, you're going to reap anything you sow. So you're going to reap all the stuff you do. But we're talking about where the Father relates to you. This is what I mean by the sin that's been taken away. It's taken away from the presence of the Father in terms of how he uh, him receiving into his presence. But now if you go out and you do wrong, you'll see it'll come back on you. Not that you want to go do it. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. What? Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound. But where sin abound, grace doeth much more abound. I'm not even going to discuss that. It's just too complicated. It would be easy when I... Basically, what it's saying is when the law entered the picture, so did sin. We'll talk about that later, though. Romans 5 and 21. That's why I said this. Why I put that link inside of the show. I want you all to click on that link, and y'all will get more information on this. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Okay? All right. So... Uh, Romans 5 and 21. Therefore, as sin hath reigned unto death, even so by grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, quickly, let's go to Romans 6. Why does Romans 6 start like this? You have to ask yourself this question. Why does Romans 6 start like this? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The reason why Paul is saying is because he knew some of y'all would say, wait a minute, if sin, if righteousness is just given to us, then we can just sin anywhere we want to. If it's just a gift and it's just given to us, then we just sin, sin, sin. He knew that. That's why this chapter starts like this. Now, again, we're talking about sin and guilt, sin and guilt. You have no reason, young people, 
to be guilty of sin because the Father accepts you as his child. You now have a relationship with the Father because sin has been taken care of past, present, and future. All you have to do is accept it. Accept this to be fact, what we're saying right now on this show. Accept it. Just accept it. See, sin has been taken away. It's almost like I have a son. I do have a son, but let's just say I said to him, as long as you sin it, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Don't talk to me. Don't come around me. Don't say nothing to me. And then one day I decide I'm not going to let his behavior determine whether or not I talk to him and walk with him and give him advice. I'm going to I'm going to no longer look at what he do. I'm just going to offer advice and allow him to come to me as much as he wants. When he sin, he is going to have to pay though. It's gonna he's going to reap the harvest if he go around robbing people. Somebody's going to rob him. I'm not going to stop that. That that is something that's going to happen. So what has happened, folks? The Most High have broken down this wall that's blocking us from having a relationship with him. So that is what Christ did by by shedding his blood, being a lamb. They call him a lamb slain or killed before the foundation of the earth, which means the Father set this up before he even created the planet. So, you can have a relationship with the Most High. You no longer have to say, well, guilt, you know, man, I, don't, I, I just keep sinning. And my Father, he's mad at me. Because I, I know a lot of church people will confuse you. They mean well. Some of them, I mean, they mean well. Some of them. And they say things like, if you, if, you, if, you, if you love the Father, you're not going to be doing all this, that, and the other. Well, that's the way it should be. If you love the Father, they're just saying, you know, you have to ask them, do you love the Father? They're going to say, well, of course I do. Do you sin? Then they'll look real silly at you. Of course they mess it up. We all mess up. David messed up. Moses messed up. All of these patriarchs, these holy men, sin and transgress the laws of the Most High. But what you want to be is somebody that believes the gospel and that have received the Father into your life and is following Christ as to how to please this higher power called the Most High of the Father. By the way, his name, which you'll probably hardly ever hear this told me why, I don't know, this is a whole other talk. His name is Yahweh. This is the Father. And when you see the word God in the Bible, there used to be the letters YW, H. Hold on, I got to, I have to always think about this. I don't know why these letters throw me out more than anything. But it used to be YHWH. Y-H-W-H. This is the letters that used to be before. Uh, they took out that those letters and placed the word God. Anyway, Romans 6 and 1, folks. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin? What? How shall we that are dead to sin? What? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We've been made dead to sin, folks. Christ, by that, when we say dead to sin, we mean the Father has said, I'm no longer going to let 
seen and stopped my sons and daughters from coming and fellowshipping with me. That's killing the effects of sin on the relationship. Can you sin, though? Yes. Will you receive a harvest from what you do? Like if you go out murdering, will it come back? you go lying, will it, will it will that affect you? All the sins you can think of, if you do them, there is a harvest that's coming. But in terms of you relating to the Father, sin is dead. It no longer has an effect on your relationship with the Most High. has an effect on you and your psyche and how you feel you might feel guilt. If you don't know what we're talking about tonight, you could feel guilt and that can keep you from the Most High, but the Most High is not keeping himself from you. That's all it's saying. Romans 6 and 3, know you not that so many Muslims was baptized into Jesus Christ, was baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. I know it's a little bit out there. Just stay with me. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. The like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. A newness of life meaning with the Father now, not free from guilt. 6-5, for, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. 6 and 6, knowing this, here we go, knowing this, here we go, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. What has happened is the old spirit has been taken out and we've been given a new spirit. Okay, it's been crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed. The body of sin has been destroyed. Therefore, we should not hence serve sin. Wait a minute. If some has been destroyed, how can you still use it? You've got to watch me on this. The same way it's not too deep. Y'all young people, stay with me. Let's read it again. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. So there is something old about us that is gone. And that's the bottom line, that the body of sin might be destroyed. So the thing in us that, that craves sin, that wants to sin, has been destroyed. I mean, not, excuse me, excuse me, I said that too fast. The, the part of us that has been destroyed is our old, that spirit that, that cries out for the world. When we're born again, that is transformed or renewed. One scripture says it like this, though our outward man perish, I, though our outward man perish, our inward man is renewed day by day. So this new man, many of y'all heard the story of Nicodemus saying, Christ said you must be born again. He was like, how can I go into my mother's womb again? Christ is just talking about this new birth that happens in your spirit. When you are a believer, meaning you've read the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you've heard, read the account of Christ, and you believe what Christ had to say about the Father you can't believe that unless the Father give you the strength to believe it. You, nobody can even see who the Father is unless he reveals it by their spirit, and that is a gift. Once you get that gift and you accept that gift, you're accepting the very gift of righteousness because Christ is our righteousness. When you accept his account of who the Father is, you're accepting the fact that he is going to die and did die, you're accepting all of that, then you're accepting the fact 
because he said he would die for the sins of man. So once you accept Christ, you accept him that's blood, and like I said in the Old Testament, they would kill these animals in lieu of their sins. So when you accept Christ, you accept his blood for your sins and is taken away. Okay? Simple and plain. Sins are washed away. Watch this, folks. And again, I can't stress it enough. If you go to the show, my first show on Blog Talk Radio, the very first show deals with this in, in details for two long hours. I cannot hit into it like I really want to, so I'm going to go through this kind of quick. Okay? All right. It said, it went on to say, that henceforth we should not serve sin, but the way it's saying you should not serve sin tells me you can serve sin. So, yes, you can sin, but it doesn't uh, stop us from having a relationship with the Most High. Six and seven. For he that is dead is free from sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. It's talking about the part of us that's been born again. Part of us died when we became born again. The, the old man left. I shouldn't say died, but that's what it's saying. Actually, I should say it because it just said it. But he that is dead is free from sin. Part of us was regenerated. In other words, uh, we've, give, we've been given, uh, Scripture says it like this, I'll take out that stony heart and put in you a new heart. We've been taking out the old or the old died, however well you want to look at it, and then we were given a new spirit. Now watch this. Here we go. Verse 6 and 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more, death had no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth unto God, in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Here we go. This is the main scriptures before we jump to 7. Chapter 7 is the big one, but this is key here at Romans 6. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Dead indeed unto sin. Meaning sin cannot block you from having a relationship with the Most High. But alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, it's just said to put alive unto God. Dead unto sin, alive unto God. It used to be just the opposite. We was alive unto sin and dead unto God. Now, because of the new gift of righteousness that we accept, we just simply accept it by faith. It says, likewise, reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. You're supposed to see yourself dead to sin. If you see yourself dead to sin, uh, young people, you're going to see yourself clean, holy, white, righteous. Not white like white skin. I'm talking about white like cleanse, okay? But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here we go. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. Whoa. It just was talking about you being clean, you being dead from sin, you know, all of these things. And now all of a sudden it's saying where the sin is. It's in your mortal body. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Uh-oh, uh-oh. One minute we're clear, we're dead to it. So a part of us is dead to it. We just saw that. But now we see it popping up again. It pops up in our body. That's what I was saying earlier in the conversation. We are dead to sin as far as our spirit, man, but alive as far as our flesh. 
And it goes on to say, neither yield your members, talking about your body, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members or bodies as instruments of, of righteousness unto God. This is good, this is good, this is good. But I can't read all this. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye, okay, let's move on here, let's see here. I would recommend you read all of that. Um, I want to skip down to where it says, uh, verse 22, but it's very important you read all, all of Romans 6. But the verse, last uh, few verses and uh, says, verse 22 says, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you should have your fruits unto holiness in the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So it's saying, when you say the wages of sin is death, a lot of preachers preach that, you know, uh, 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 is they're trying to make the, put you in that situation now that when you sin, your pay is going to be death. That's that's not quite what the scripture is saying because the scripture earlier said that the gift there was this gift of righteousness, a gift of righteousness. This basically is saying last verse six twenty three says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are operating in the second part of that scripture where it says the gift, the gift, the gift, the free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're not in the wages of sin is death. That was under the law. But a lot of preachers preach this like now we are if we sin, our paycheck is going to be death. So if y'all sin you're getting death. But it's just not that. That's the way it was on Adam. Adam sinned and that brought death. But when Christ came through this gift we have eternal life. We are in that second half of that scripture. Even though they just talked about sin reigning in your body, it says you're dead from sin, so don't let it reign in your body. So that means it can reign in your body while it's while you're still dead to it. Y'all get that? I know y'all got that. I'm going to say it again. We are dead to sin, spiritually speaking. This new part of us, this new man born again, is dead to sin. But it can reign or rule in your body. But because of Christ and his blood, we've been made dead to sin. So the, all these wonderful things that happened since Christ happened inside of our spirit, our bodies is not saved, in other words. Romans 7, this is the main chapter, folks. Again, read Romans 6, those scriptures that we miss. Paul speaking in Romans 7, 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath domination over a man as long as he liveth. Now, stay with me, young people. It's maybe a little bit complicated, but trust me, you'll be all right in a second. I'm going to make this real plain. We're gonna, real plain, we're going to go through this quickly. For the woman hath, okay, let me give an example. First it says this. Say that scripture again. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law how that the law had dominion over man as long as he lived. So, in other words, as long as you live, the law has dominion over you. Watch this. Verse 2. He gives an example. What do you mean? For the woman which having a husband is bound by law to her husband so long as he liveth. 
But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, let's just say he was living and she married another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Watch this. They're about to drop a bomb on you. Paul is about to drop the bomb on you. Watch this. We're talking about guilt tonight. We're talking about young people uh, saying they want to serve the Most High, but there's this thing with guilt. I'm hopefully, hopefully we've already delivered a, a blow to it, but this is about to be a major blow. If you follow me, young people, and listen to the end of this show, I guarantee you, you will see very clear. You do not have a license to go sin. That's not what I'm talking about. Anybody get that from what I'm saying is just twisting me up left and right. That's not right. If you sin, you're going to reap the consequences of your sin in the story. You will not be able to hear the most high. You will not be able to walk in this life that we're talking about that has been provided for us. The whole purpose of Christ, uh, the Father, excuse me, destroying sin as far as it relating to him and us is so we can now have a relationship with him. I'm going to say it again. The whole purpose of the Father sending Christ to die, to be a lamb, to be murdered, his blood can be spilled, representing those animals, but when he died, he died no more. Animals have to be offered over and over and over, and the Father will take away the sins of Israel. Christ died one time, and all our sins is taken away past, present, and every future sin you can imagine. I know some of y'all thinking of some really big sins. Yes, any and every sin. None of this blocks you from having a relationship with the Most High. That's all this does. What Christ has done has opened up, rented, the veil has been rented, so to speak, the veil used to be what priests had to go through to, to enter into the presence of the Most High. Only they can go through there. Now anybody can have a relationship. They can enter through that curtain and have a relationship with the Father. And again, I go into this a lot more in details. Look at the show description. You listen to me right now, right? Okay, look at the show the description. Move down. You're going to see a link. Click on that and you really will get a lot of more scriptures on this, Okay. Okay, verse wrapping this up. You're getting ready to drop the bond here. Okay? Verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law. Uh-oh. We become dead to the law. The law is what tells us what sin is. Wherefore, my brethren, ye have also become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him which is raised from the dead, and that we should bring fruit unto God. Verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin which were by the law. You know, you can't have a sin unless there's some rules say don't do this, don't do that. All That's all it's saying. When we was in the flesh, notice it said we were in the flesh. We were in the flesh. That's the difference between a believer and a non-believer. We're no longer... Our life is no longer in the flesh. We used to live in the flesh, but that part of that part was destroyed 
and we have a new spirit. We still have a body craving sin, but when we was in the world, before we had that new generation happen inside of us, region happen inside of us, our life was in the flesh. So part of us, it's just stay with me. It's going to get clearer and clearer. For when we were in the flesh, the things of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring fruit, to bring forth fruit unto death. One more time. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of our the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Verse six. But now we are delivered from the law. But now we are delivered from the law. That being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in the newness of spirit. That is deep. Did you get that? One more time. But now we are delivered from the law. That being dead were in, we were held that we should serve in the newness of the spirit. And now in and not in the oldness of the letter. And not in the oldness of the letter. One more time and read this. Okay? My mind is run, trying to rush through this. But now we are delivered from the law. That being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. This is the part, the main part of this study right here. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I have not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known that lust, I I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So that's how sin is born, through commandments. That if there ain't no commandments, you can't do nothing wrong. You have to have commandments first, then you can do something wrong. That's all he's saying. But sin take an occasion by the commandment or created by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. In other words, where there was no list of rules, there was no sin. For without the law, sin was dead. Verse 9, for I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, Sin revived and I died. All he's saying is there was a time I didn't have no laws, no rules, and I wasn't offending nobody. There was no, I wasn't, I wasn't sinning because there was nothing to keep. But when the commandment came, sin revived or came alive and I died. He experienced separation of death or destruction. Verse 10. I'm telling y'all, please listen. I'm about to wrap this up. We got no less. We got about ten minutes, and I'm gonna be done with this. Young people, I'm about to drop the bomb on you. Stay up, stay close, closely knitted to what I'm saying. Verse ten. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me. And by it slew me. All he's saying is what I said earlier. 
Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin that it might appear sin, working death in me, now that which is good. One more time. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin that it might appear sin, working death in me, by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. All that is saying is that when the law was introduced, sin was introduced. You've got to have the law to know how to live because if the Father didn't give us any laws, mankind would know how to live and they would destroy themselves. That's a short version of what Paul really is saying here. 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, soul under sin. For that, here we go, here's the main scriptures. I keep saying here's the main scripture, but really here is the main scripture. For that, Paul is saying that this is the Apostle Paul who wrote half the Bible. For that which I do, I will lie not. Paul is talking about a struggle he was having in his body. For that which I do, I will lie not. For what I would, that do I. What? One more time. Verse 15. For that which I do, I will lie not. So Paul was doing something that he didn't allow other folks to do. And he said, for what I would that I do not. So what he wanted to do, he found himself not being able to do some of those things. But what he hated, that what he, you know, he did. I'm going to finish reading this. But what I hate, that do I. Verse 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. What? I want y'all to hear this. This is G. This set me free years ago when I was a young person. I needed to hear this right here, especially that verse I just said. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So Paul is saying that inside of his body is this craving of sin. Verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Stop right there. That should have set y'all free if you're listening, if you're paying attention. That should have set you free right there. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it but sin that dwelleth in me. One more time. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I, and it is no more you that do it. It's not you that do it. 
Young people, old people, it is not us that do it, but sin that dwelleth in us. Verse 21, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. So when you would do good, and you know you do good, but evil is present with you. Apostle Paul and us is no different. If you've been born again, and you only you know if you've truly been born again. But if you believe that Christ came to this earth and did die, rose, and is returning, you really believe that some kind of way? You just believe that this man really rose from the dead? And if he is who he says, you really believe and accept this book, the Bible? And you accept this gift of righteousness now that you've heard about it, if you haven't? You will find yourself saying this. I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Let's go on to see the solution. Verse 22. For I delight, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. So you delight in the law of God after the inward man. So we are delighting in the law of God, but it's our inward man that's craving to do good, not our outward man. Verse 23, for I see another law in my members. Remember, members mean body. For I see another law. Now, he just mentioned one law. In verse 21, I find then a law that when I do good, evil is present with me. So it's like, Two things going on here. One law, verse 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. That's the law of God. The inward man, the law of God. Verse 23, but I have another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. The law of God, the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. So the law of God is in his inward man, and the law of sin is in his body. If you've been listening to me up until this time, you should just give your little self a hand clap, a hand clap, a little pat on the back, because I know that took a while for me to get to it, but that was the bomb. And now the rest of the scriptures is going to clear up what just happened. We just dropped the most powerful bomb, if you if you could just get what we just said. Actually, this next scripture is going to clarify it up even more, the bomb we just dropped. One more time to read this. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. The law of sin is in my members. The law of God is in the inward man, talking about in his mind. And he cries out, verse 24, for a solution. Listen to what Paul says. He cries out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He's talking about the law of sin, which is in his members of body. 
O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this debt? Verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with my mind I serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. Before we read Romans 8, many people teach that Romans 8, Paul got saved. And now he changed. Paul's salvation, he just he's telling you in verse 25 what happened to him to, 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 to the solution. I thank God. How are you going to thank God? Obviously, some has happened about the problem above. I thank God that through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. That's what's happening to every single believer everywhere. And that's what you're suffering with this guilt, young people. You don't understand that there's two laws going on. Your flesh has not been born again, and it is always going to crave sin, foolishness, craziness that's going to make you look like you don't have nothing to do with it, salvation. You've got to do, like I read earlier in Romans 81, and mortify the deeds of the body or block or stop the deeds of the body. Now, you can't stop it forever. It's, just, it's going to keep on craving it, but you, you can... You can Control it. This is what the Holy Spirit does with us. Give us the power to overcome. 1 Corinthians 9 and 27, again, was a scripture I mentioned also. Okay? 1 Corinthians 9 and 27, Paul is saying there that he keep under his body, he keep under his body. He keep under his body. Another scripture to... to that you might want to put in your arsenal is Galatians 4 and 6. Galatians 4 and 6. Galatians 4 and 6 says, and because ye are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son in your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That spirit is one of the things, they don't just cry, Abba, Father, but it, it empowers us to keep our flesh in control. We don't save the flesh. The Holy Spirit does not save your flesh. It just empowers your spirit to control the flesh. And just because I'm saying this don't mean I got it all together, but this Bible study ain't about me, but I will share this because sometimes you need to hear real life stories. As long as I keep my mind on the most high, that don't mean I got to keep every thought on, every single thought got to be on the most high. You got to work and raise kids and all kind of stuff, but that just means keep his law before you. If I can do that, if I can fast from time to time and pray constantly, that you do as much as you can pray and read the scriptures, these kind of scriptures, and accept what you're reading. This is when I'm more apt to not give in to sin. Oh, if I do sin, and if you are sinning and you keep on sinning, 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 you have to ask yourself, do you even love the Father? I mean, for real. I mean, you should be putting some resistance. It should be there. I'm not saying how much you sin. I'm just saying 
If somebody just sinning constantly 24-7, I would really question whether or not they even believe in God. But I'm saying we all slip up and mess up. Now, I'm talking about daily. But we should not let sin run us out of the presence of the Father and entice us not to have a relationship with him. That's what we're talking about tonight. This guilt that comes with sin and causing a lot of young people to not even want to keep doing it. I used to sing this song, Holy One, I'll Never Let You Down by Tremaine Hawkins. Because I thought if you love the Most High, the church people were telling me you'll never sin if you love the Father. You must not love him. And ask yourself this question. Do the people that's telling you this kind of stuff, how do they live their life? Do they have fruit? Do people like being around them? Do they have the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit means things like love, patience. When the Spirit is dominating your body like they saying it is them, they'll have love and patience and kindness. They'll be able to take some stuff without folding in half called long-suffering. They'll be gentle, kind, meekness, faith, full of faith. You don't see people with these characteristics. They're not full of the Spirit like they claim it. Full of the Spirit don't have you jucking and burping, you know, jumping around and shouting, running around the church. That's emotionalism. It has absolutely positively nothing, zero to do with the Spirit. You can do those, you'll do those things if you're full of the Spirit because you want to celebrate it. You might be excited that it's talking to you, delivering you, and out of being excited about what the Spirit is doing, you might want to run around the church. But that running and jumping and screaming and, and rolling, they don't have nothing, absolutely zero to do with the Spirit. Trust me. So Roman 8 says, there is therefore no, uh, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, I know people that say, well, right there is saying you still can't sin. It's saying you got to walk after the Spirit. Remember, Paul did walk after the Spirit. He said in the law of his mind, he served, he craved, he wanted to do right. But in the law of his flesh, he was doing wrong. That's all the Scripture is saying. But people try to make like, oh, no, no, no. This is saying you got to walk in the Spirit, my friend. Yes, you do have to walk in the Spirit, but that's what Paul was doing in Romans 7. He was walking the Spirit of his mind, and that part of him was craving to do right. But at the same time, there was another law in his members. The Father never took away that other law in his flesh. Never. Nowhere in the Bible has that law been taken away. That thing that's going on in his flesh never has been taken away. And if it's never taken away, Paul is going to be continuing saying what I'm saying. The things that he would do, he find it hard to do. He went on saying, it's not I that do it, though. So you need to say what he say. It's not you that do it. You heard him say, I find myself doing things that I would not. I don't want to do them. So who's the I that's saying, I don't want to do them? And who's the I that is doing them? I know how this sounds, but we got to understand that we have a flesh and we have a spirit. And with our mind, we serve the Most High. We crave him. This is what he cries, Abba, Father, uh, as Galatians 4 and 6 would say. It cries, Abba, Father. It says, Oh, Father. You ever notice when you sin, a part of you, if you're truly born again, says, Oh, Father, help me. I don't want to do this. I'm talking about in the middle of your mess, whatever it is. It is. Mess is all stinky. 
when you're doing it, there's a part of you that's saying, oh, oh, Father, help me, help me, help me. For those people, those white stocking-wearing missionaries and uh, uh, those, a lot of these people that try to put you in bondage, you got to ask yourself this question. Why would the Most High put the part of you that's craving him and that want to do what's right, why, I'm talking about why you're sinning, a part of you is crying out to God. Why would he put, put that part in hell with the part of you that want to do whatever you're doing? Our bodies are not born again, folks. It always craves sin. It's like a, a, a wild beast that you got to constantly keep it in chain. You take some chains off, it's going to go wild again. It's like that until we die. The flesh is not saved. The Father chose not to save it. If the flesh the flesh was tamed and saved, we would no longer be moral, moral agents of choice. We have become angels. And the Bible says when we see Christ, we become born again with our flesh. For well, there is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus to walk not after the flesh, which Paul was in Romans 7. He wasn't walking after the flesh. He was walking after the spirit. In his spirit he was. In his mind he was the law of the spirit was going on. But the law of the flesh was going on in his body. As the scripture was said, let's just call it for what it is because I want to call it exactly what it was. Romans uh, 7 and uh, the last verse said, we'll read one more time, I think, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, with the mind, with the mind, I serve. I serve the law of God. How do we serve the law of God? With our mind. But with the flesh, I serve the law of sin. So your flesh is going to be always crying out to, to sin, but you can't keep it under. You can't push it around, buffet it, keep it under. Okay? So there, therefore, no condemnation to them which are in Christ. We're definitely in Christ. Who walk not after the flesh, okay, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, we're in Christ. For the law of the spirit. Of life in Christ have made me from the law of sin and death. So even though this thing is going on in us, we've been made free from it. Even though the law of sin and death, we just read about it, is going on in us, the fact that we have this as the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Did y'all get that? Am I getting too deep? I wish y'all could talk to me back. I'm looking at the phone lines. I don't see any hands. So... Um, but do y'all get that? That is some deep stuff right there. So we're going to wrap this up by reading one more scripture. And uh, just check this out. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. He could say it like this. For the law of life, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ in my mind has made me free from the law of sin and death in my members. You know, in my body. So let's read one more time. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus, in my mind, all this is going on in my spirit and my mind, have made me free from the law of sin and death in my body. 
We've been made free from what the body craves. It's not saved. Why would the Most High require us to to be judged by something that he did not make provisions for to be saved? It's supposed to create sin. It gives us a choice between good and evil. We're supposed to keep it under and choose righteous the Most High give more glory. Once this flesh is tamed, we no longer have that choice of evil before this is after Christ coming when the millennium and new heaven, new earth, and all of this. Romans 8 and 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Mind the things of the flesh. We don't mind the things of the flesh. We mind the things of the spirit. In our mind, we serve in the most high. We want to do what's right. That's the difference between the world and the flesh, chapter uh, 8, verse 5. We don't mind the things of the flesh. We are. We want to do the things of the Father. I'm talking about our heart. We want to do the things of the Father. Remember he said, the law of the spirit in my mind, Versus the law of flesh in my members. Paul had something going on inside of his body craving evil, and he would find himself doing evil, but he found out that why he was doing evil, there was part of him that was craving to do right. Yes, it can, it's very possible. I go through it all the time. Wow. One more time, and this is the last description I read. For what the law could not do in that week through the flesh, God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. We mind the things of the spirit. Our spirit, our heart craves God. That is minding the things of the spirit. But our flesh craves this world. It's just that simple. It goes on to say in verse 6, well, that's enough reading. Well, hold on, this is pretty good. For to be carnally minded, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritual minded is life through Christ. And again, he's talking about two different things going on that Paul suffered in Romans 8. For the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not. I will stop right there, folks. Listen, it's been nice, family. I'm going to go ahead and go out. Uh, we'll just pick this up and probably do a part two next week. It's just so much. Again, again, please, please, please look at the show description. You can see a link to to my show, Five Smooth Song. It goes into a lot deeper. You will be much more blessed if you would do that. Otherwise, I'm, I'm just, um, <laughs> uh, that's what we should do, okay? That's what you should do, and you'll get more on this. Uh, hopefully that helps you see that you should not need to be guilty no matter what. That we know for sure. You do not need to be guilty. You not need. You need to understand sin has been taken away from you, past, present, and future. 
Good night, family. I love every single one of y'all, and ain't nothing you can do about it. This is MLK reminding us uh, uh, how long, uh, talking about freedom is to come for our people. But I want you to listen to MLK and think about uh, the righteousness. How long, not long. Uh, talking about not just freedom from racial oppression, but freedom from guilt. Well, let's switch it up a little bit. I mean, you know, we know we're talking about freedom from oppression and and white supremacy and all that. We know what MLK Jr. stood for. But I'm talking tonight. I want y'all to listen to this. And when you say not long, how long, not long, let's think about him talking about how having that united relationship with the Most High, us walking again as sons and daughters and not having sin to derail us from uh, growing in the Father. Okay? Just a little something different. And then we'll play one last song and be done. Good night, everybody. I know you're asking today, how long will it take? Somebody's asking, how long will prejudice blind the visions of men? I come to say to you this afternoon, however difficult the moment, however frustrating the hour, it will not be long because truth crushed earth will rise again. How long, not long. Because no lie can live forever. Yes, sir. How long? Not long. Because you shall reap what you sow. Yes, sir. How long? Not long. How long? Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yes, that scaffold sways the future. Behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. How long? Not long. Because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. How long? Not long. Because mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He's trampling out the village where the grapes of wrath are stored. He's loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible twist. His truth is marching on. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah.
poverty. 